WTBN Pinellas Park, 100.3 W262CP Bayonet Point. Online at Let's Talk. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. A sure sign that you're a Christian is a decreasing frequency of sin. Not that you never sin, but rather that it isn't the desired practice of your lives. Your lifestyle should be different after conversion. If it's not, then you need to examine yourselves whether you're in the faith. John Newton, who had once been a notorious slave ship captain, wrote much more than just the wonderful hymn Amazing Grace. Among other things, he's credited with these words. I am not what I might be. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I wish to be. I am not what I hope to be. But I thank God I am not what I once was. And I can say with the great apostle, by the grace of God, I am what I am. As we grow in Christ, we should be discovering that sin is gradually losing its grip on us. It will not completely fade away in this mortal lifetime. And as we become more Christ-like, we'll also become more and more aware of our sinfulness. But I think that that increasing sensitivity to our sin is one of the surest evidences that God has indeed saved us. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Back in his early days at Lakeside, Pastor Steve preached a wonderful series of messages about our eternal security. It's called Safety for the Sheep. We pulled those old cassettes out of the archives and recovered them digitally so that you too can hear these practical lessons that I hope will encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Our lesson today is the third part of a three-part message that will conclude this series. If you missed any of these helpful Bible lessons, I'll tell you at the end of our broadcast how you can get them online or order a CD with the present sermon in its entirety. Science fiction writer Arthur C. Clarke said, For every man, education should be a process which continues all his life. We have to abandon as swiftly as possible the idea that schooling is something restricted to youth. How can it be in a world where half the things a man knows at 20 are no longer true at 40, and half the things he knows at 40 hadn't been discovered yet when he was 20? Let's get our Bibles and brains ready now as Pastor Steve shares some truths that have been true since Jesus walked out of that grave, and they will always be relevant. Here he is with 11 signs to help us know we are saved. So some people struggle with doubts of salvation have never really met Christ in a personal way. They're like this rich young ruler, and unfortunately they had somebody deal with them who didn't have the high standards of the gospel. We need repentance, forsaking of known sin, need faith in Christ. You see, let me say this, in case I'm accused of preaching works as salvation, repentance and faith are part of the same thing. It's just the flip side of the coin. Repentance is not something in addition to faith. The Bible says believe, okay? And I don't want you to think that we're adding something. Repentance and faith are like two sides of the same coin. It it, it all goes together. Repentance is a part of faith, and faith is a part of repentance, and you cannot separate the two or else you don't have true saving faith. So let me clear that up for you in case you think that I'm preaching another gospel. That is the gospel, and we need to proclaim it. So we've mentioned four reasons people struggle with assurance. Disobedience, date-setting assurance, feelings-oriented. A person may not really be saved, but there's a fifth reason, and perhaps the one that is responsible for more problems than all the others put together, is satanic attacks. Satan buffets you. 
Satan attacks you. True, genuine Christians living a true godly life will often be attacked by Satan. You see, Satan is a liar. He's never told the truth after he fell. Never. You say, wait a minute, he tells the truth sometimes. No, it's always in the context of twisting the truth. He may have a truthful statement, but truth out of balance or truth twisted is really deceit. So he may have, yes, in the midst of, of telling you some things, he may have a truth, but it's usually a twisted truth. It's a perverted truth. Uh, because Satan will use Scripture. He'll use Scripture to cause you to doubt, and that's the worst kind of thing, because you think that God is dealing with you, and it's really Satan. And Satan will twist the Scripture. Satan's a liar, and he'll lie to you about your salvation. He's a roaring lion who's seeking to devour you. So this is what the struggles are all about. How do we overcome them? Is it possible to overcome them? Yes. First John 5.13, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. Here are the signs of assurance. What are the things that 1 John is dealing with? I see it that there are 11 basic signs that indicate that you are a true child of God. If these things are in your life, then you can rest assured on biblical assurance, not on your own feelings. Number one, have you enjoyed fellowship with the Lord and with his people? I'll just be asking you these questions. Do you enjoy fellowship with God and with God's people? 1 John 1.3 says this, What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, that you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Do you recognize that God is, uh, is, uh, is one who wants that fellowship with you? Do you have spiritual interaction with the Lord? Do you want to be with God's people? Do you enjoy being at church? Do you enjoy singing his praises? Do you enjoy being together with, with other Christians? Do you sense the Holy Spirit in your midst as you interact with them on a spiritual level? I'm not talking about discussing football. You know, some people think they've had fellowship because they discuss, two Christians discuss a football game. That's not fellowship. Do you have fellowship around the Lord? Is it on a spiritual level? Is your heart warmed by his word and the exaltation of Christ? When we sing his praises here, do you enjoy that? Number two, do you have a sensitivity to sin? 1 John 5.10 says this, And this is the message that we have heard from him and, and announced to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, Christ, uh, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and, ju and just or righteous to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Do you have a sensitivity to sin? Do you recognize God is holy? And when you sin, does it bother you? Or don't you care? Does it bother you? Do you sense your fellowship with Christ is broken? Do you confess your sin in order to restore the fellowship? In fact, I think what John is saying, 1 John 1, uh, 9 if we are the ones confessing our sins, we're the ones who've already been forgiven. I think that's another sign of assurance. True believers confess their sin. They don't want to sin. And yet, on the one hand, they do want to sin. And I don't want you to be confused. It's a, it's a, a double struggle because we still have that sin in us. Yes, we love our sin, but we hate our sin. And it's possible at the same time to have both. But you see, unbelievers don't, don't hate their sin. Now, they may, get, they may dislike getting caught. Say, that's not the issue. I mean, they may have sorrow because they're caught, but a true believer, whether he's caught or not, hates his sin because he's affronted, he's offended a holy God. Number three, 
Are you obedient to God's word? 1 John 2, 3 through 5. And by this we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I've come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. I mean perfection, as I said before, no. But it does mean desire, direction of your life. First Kings 3.14, God said to Solomon, David's son, he said, And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes, my uh, commandments, as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. Now, did David keep God's commandments all the time? No. You remember Bathsheba? No, he didn't keep God's commandments all the time. But as God viewed David's life, he saw that he was a man after his own heart. He saw the direction of his life, of this shepherd of Israel, was to honor the Lord. He was a man after God's heart, and that was obedience. In fact, the word keep in 1 John 2, 3 does not mean perfection. But it does stress the idea of a watchfulness, as a, as a guard would watch over something. Watchfulness, desire, observance, obedience. In other words, the intent of, of the life is obedience. That's the desire. It is the willful desire of the heart, even though we don't always obey. Do you want to obey God's word? Or if it doesn't mean anything to you, then you don't have biblical assurance. Jesus said in John 8:31, if you keep my word, then you're truly disciples of mine. You prove to be my disciples. Number four, do you hate the world's evil system? Do you hate the world's evil system? 1 John 2.15 says this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now it's possible for us at times to, be, uh, to love uh, the desires and attractions of the world. It's a misplaced love. It's possible at times that what John is saying is if a, if a man's entire life is world-centered, then he's not saved. If you daily walk according to the world and you love it and you don't want to change, and it's not a momentary attraction, not a brief attraction, it is your life. All you think about is the world's evil system. Then you're not saved. In fact, you're dead in sins and trespasses. We ought to hate the world system. We ought to hate not the world, but the world's evil system. Another one. Number five. Do you practice sin less now than before you profess faith in Christ? First John 3 5 and 6. Now, I know you may hate your sin now more, but do you practice it less? And you know that he appeared in order to take away our sin, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or, who know, or knows him. Now, this doesn't mean occasional sin. This means practice sin. No one who continues with Christ continually practices sin. It may, he may have spurts in his life, but his continual desire and intent is obedience, not sin. When Christ saved you, he saved you so that you don't sin more now. You ought to be sinning less now the more you mature in Christ. A sure sign that you're a Christian is a decreasing frequency of sin. Not that you never sin, but rather that it isn't the desired practice of your lives. Your lifestyle should be different after conversion. If it's not, then you need to examine yourselves whether you're in the faith. Another sign, do you love other Christians? What an important sign this is. Do you love other Christians? You love other believers. 1 John 3.14 says this, We know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. We love the brethren. Now, we love all people, but there ought to be a special love for the brethren. 
ought to be a special love for Christians. That's, it's the practice of loving. It means a habit. You may have some struggles with Christians. You may not be loving at times, but the desired practice of your life is to love other Christians. How do you know if you love other Christians? Well, I'll tell you how you don't know it. First uh, John 3.16 says this, We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and beholds his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with, di- or, or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. Verse eight, 19, And we shall know by this that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. What's he saying? He's saying you don't go around telling the brethren how much you love them. You go and you do something concrete for a brother or sister in need. And that way you'll assure your heart that you really love them. In other words, don't just talk about love. Do something. Love is action. Anybody can say they love other Christians. Anybody can say that. There's a lot of people who give lip service. A lot of people want to tell you how much they love everybody. That, that's nothing. John says, if you really love someone, do something about it. And you don't have to go bragging about it. Just do it. You see, love isn't a feeling. Love is action. Love is an attitude of the will. You may not like the Christian that you have to minister to, but you love him because the love of God's been shed abroad in your heart. Another sign. Have you had answers to prayer? Why are answers to prayer important? Now, that doesn't mean all the time that you have it, because sometimes God says no. But 1 John 3 22 says this, whatever we ask we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. The one who receives answers to his prayers is the one who is obedient and pleasing to the Lord. So that's another sign. If you have answers to prayer or have had answers to your prayer, specific answers, you can rest assured that you are pleasing the Lord. Another sign, do you have the inner witness of the Holy Spirit? The inner witness of the Holy Spirit. 1 John 3, 24. And the one who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And we know by this that he abides in us by the Spirit which he has given us. He says in chapter 4, verse 13, By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his Spirit. Now, how do you know that the Spirit of God lives in you? Well, Romans 8, 14 says this, that that as many as are led by the Spirit of God... They're the children of God. They're the sons of God. Have you at any time in your life known for sure the, the leading of the Holy Spirit? Has he led you? Has he guided you? Do you sense his presence? I don't mean feel something. I mean there's a, there's a sense of his presence. In fact, the next verse or the verse after that in Romans 8 says that uh, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. Now, you may be going through doubts and you may be struggling, but... But inside you ought to be, if you're obedient, if you're not obedient, you'll silence his witness. There ought to be the abiding sense that you belong to God. So the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, leading you, giving you a sense that you belong to him. Another sign, do you have the ability to discern between spiritual truth and error? 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, I'm not going to take the time to read it. You ought to write that down. But it, but it speaks of the spirit of, of truth, the spirit of error. True believers don't fall prey to wrong doctrine in the sense of the basics of the faith. Jesus said in John 10 that his sheep respond to his voice and not to the voice of strangers. You, you hear about people who have gone into some false cult who said they, were, they knew the Lord and now they've gone into some false cult and, and 
I don't think that they really were saved. Listen, I think it's possible for a true believer to go into a, into a strange group and to go in on some kind of, uh, some kind of weird thing, a group that's off on something, but not the very heart of the gospel, not the, the nature of salvation. Anyone who does that has never been saved. A true believer, listen, one of the signs of being a true believer is when someone is preaching error, it stands out in your mind. You have a spirit that discerns what truth is and what error is. If I were to get up here and tell you something that is absolutely incorrect, you ought to know inwardly, internally, by, by the Spirit of God giving you discernment that that's wrong. I've had that where, where I've heard people, and I can't put my finger on it, and I can't say where they're off, but it's not registering right with me. That's a sign that you're saved. That's a sign that you're saved because unbelievers don't have that, that spirit of discernment. That's why they fall prey. It's all error. And do you believe the basic doctrines of the faith? Do you believe that the doctrine of Christ, everything is centered around the Lord Jesus? Are you right about him? Do you know that he's God? 1 John 5.1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him and so forth. Do you believe that he's the Messiah? Do you, are you right about that? Do you trust him as Lord, as who he is? And finally, and this isn't in 1 John, but it's in Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, verse 28. Have you ever been persecuted for your faith? Have you ever been persecuted for your faith? Philippians 1.28 says this, In no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. In other words, this is a double sign. Those who persecute you, who, who oppose you because of the gospel, those who oppose you, that's a sure sign they're lost. Those who are opposed and persecuted, it's a sure sign that you're saved. Satan doesn't uh, persecute those who are on his side. Now, I'm not referring to being thrown in jail, being beaten up for your faith, but I'm referring to things like being laughed at, being mocked, being ridiculed for carrying a Bible, being looked down upon, losing friends, losing job opportunities because you refuse to compromise your faith. If that's ever happened to you, then that's another sign that you're truly one of, one of the Lord's. Well, these are the 11 signs of assurance. If they're evidence in your life, and they all ought to go together, then you're saved. And you, you can know it. But what if there's evidence and you still don't have assurance? What if, what if these signs are true and, and yet you don't feel like you're saved? I want to read you 1 John three nineteen through 21 and then we'll close. We shall know by this that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. And whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Let me say this. You may have all the evidence and your heart still condemns you. Why? Because your heart is desperately wicked. And your heart may be condemning you, but God knows all. He sees all. He sees the evidence. He sees that you see the evidence. And God is saying here, don't listen to your feelings. For years, I listened to my feelings. Let me try to keep you from, from the agony that I had to go through. Don't listen to your feelings. Listen to God's word. God has given you specific signs that you can tell if they're evident in your life. Then 1 John 5.13 is true for you. These things I have written to you that believe in the name of the Son of God in order 
that you may know that you have eternal life. Stop listening to your feelings. Stop listening to your heart's condemnation. Your, your heart is wrong. If these things are true in your life, God knows all things. He's given you specific signs of assurance. Believe him and know the joy of this eternal, secure, forever salvation. Let's bow for prayer. I trust that the word of God has met your need this morning. I trust that if you're a genuine believer, these, these signs are true in your life, and you're going to rest on them from henceforth. From this point on, you will not listen to your nagging, condemning heart. Listen to the word of God, if they're true in your life. If they're not true in your life, either you're a believer who, who needs to repent, do it today, do it now, right where you are, repent, forsake your sin. If you're hanging on to some sin that you refuse to give up, I don't mean one you're struggling with, I mean one you've hardened your heart to giving, then, then you deal with that right now, you confess it, you turn from it. But it's possible that you're not a believer, that none of these signs are evidence in your life, that, that maybe you've, you've accepted a perverted gospel. You've never repented, you've never trusted Christ, you've never submitted to his lordship. You can today. You know, Jesus said, him that comes to me I'll in no way cast out. There are some who come and they pray. Someone asked me recently about how could someone pray a prayer of salvation and not be saved? Well, it's very simple. They might not mean it. Anyone can say words. But if you mean it, you repent, you trust Christ from the heart, you are really coming to him and you say words that express your heart, then Jesus said, if you come to me, I'll never cast you out. Never. You come. Come after the service, after I close, we'll have counselors who will, will not give you false assurance. They'll just open up the word of God to you and help you to understand from the scripture about assurance. Father, I pray that you'll take your word this morning and apply it to everyone's need. Minister to us. Thank you for a salvation that's not only secure, not only forever, but it's one we can enjoy, one we can have assurance on. Thank you for the joy of knowing you and knowing that we know you. And I pray that everyone here might know the joy of walking with you and might know the blessed assurance that comes from you. For this we pray in the name of our precious Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I don't know for sure what day I asked Jesus to be my Redeemer and King. And I don't know for sure when I realized that nothing can ever end that relationship. But I know that I know. Years ago, when I was involved in our church's youth camping ministry, we had one particular guest speaker who shared some concepts with the teens that have been a big help to me along the way as well. One is to know something in your knower. It means more than simply learning a fact. It means to fully absorb and apply a truth until it becomes a part of you and you never forget it. Another phrase he used is a mountain climbing analogy. He said there are places in our lives where we drive a stake, a piton if you want to use the real climbing term. You rope yourself to that stake so that as you continue climbing, if you slip, it will stop your fall. If you have found fresh assurance of the fact and the security of your salvation, I would encourage you to drive a stake right here and tie yourself to it. Know this in your knower and it will protect you when Satan tries to use your emotions or your circumstances to cripple you with doubt. It was good to have you with us today. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher for these verse-by-verse -verse radio Bible classes. 
Verse by Verse is a ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, where Pastor Steve has been serving for more than 33 years as the teaching pastor. Find out more about Lakeside at lakesidechapel.com. If you'd like to visit Lakeside, it's located in Clearwater at 1893 Sunset Point Road. Lakeside offers CDs with Pastor Steve's messages in case you'd like to listen again to this sermon from start to finish with no announcements. To ask for yours, call 727-239-0306 and ask for message 7274, Assurance of Salvation. If you call outside of regular business hours, just leave a message and include your daytime phone number so we can call you back for details. That same number is available if you have realized you need the salvation Jesus offers and would like to talk to someone about it. It's 727-239-0306. We at Verse by Verse are thankful for the generosity of those people whose prayers and gifts help us keep these Bible classes on the air. You can read about how to give at our website, versebyverseradio.org. On the website, we also have available at no charge this entire series of lessons, along with a large collection of other broadcasts. Click the Message Archive tab and look for the section titled 